What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining us for another episode. Um, we are here. Got got Elliot with me, freelance duck hunting, and we're going to go ahead and uh, jump on to the podcast for tonight. Um, but before we do that, guys, let's have a quick word from our partners, and we'll jump right into it. Um, so first off, like to give a big thanks off to Motion Duck Decoys, um, one of our most recent guests we've had on the podcast. Um, definitely enjoyed having Tom on there. Great guest talking about um pacific flyway and the um the motion duck decoy spreader that they that they use up there in washington and and we use ellie and i both use uh in our respective states as well so it's uh definitely uh a perfect solution for those no wind days um they got the decoy spreader and the ultimate decoy spreader um the regular ones four the ultimate is seven um it's super easy to put together gives light like lifelike motion definitely check out a video of it you'll be blown away um, and one thing I'm going to be trying this year with it as well is the dog walker that Tom talked about. Already got mine in, so I'll be trying that out um, as soon as I can. So definitely check those guys out. Duck Gun 2020, guys, for 10% off and free shipping. Guys, if you have not purchased your shotgun shells yet for this season, I would encourage you to give Boss Shot Shells a try. We switched over to that last year. Been using it for this is the second season. And I'll tell you what, you know, um, I've killed a lot of ducks with steel, but using bismuth, you can tell a difference. You just can. There's less birds that hit the water that are still alive. Um, it's just a fantastic shell. I'm using sixes, uh, two and three fourths, sixes for teal, fives for mallards, fours for geese. And man, it's just a wonderful, wonderful product. It's American made, high density, high quality. You can use that smaller shot size. And also they copper coat the bismuth. And the reason they do that is so um, the shot doesn't get as deformed and it doesn't um, react off each other as much. So it's got a much truer, straighter pattern than your traditional like lead would have. So it's a great product. Check it out. Boss Shot Shells. Awesome. I'd like to give a big thanks out to also Onyx um, and Onyx Maps, Onyx Hunting. Uh, definitely a, um, a super cool product they got there with the app um i spend hours just absolute hours uh looking at maps um just kind (laughs) of spending my time looking at whatever wetlands or ponds or public land that i can um get access to dropping pins all over the place um and you know here recently on hunts too using the tracking feature um definitely a big help and the new thing they got going too um is they got the beta right now for the 3d um able to see uh, kind of the map and, uh, you know, just a little bit better than that, uh, two, two dimensional shape. So, um, definitely cool over there, guys. Definitely check out on X map for all your public land or private land, um, map and hunting situations. Um, HDR innovations. This is actually Jordan's, uh, company, and I'm going to use this opportunity. There's been something I have not wanted to tell Jordan and I'm going to tell him and I don't think he's gonna be very happy about it, but (laughs) Um, they've got great American made products. They have an A-frame that we use all the time, a layout pad I use all the time, uh, the quack pack, which I've got, have not had a chance to use yet. But one of the things I really, really love is the gun stand. Now I had one and I didn't really use it for a while. And, and Jordan's like, yeah, we got this updated. It's lighter. We've got this gun stand. I'm going to send it to you. You're going to fall in love with this. I got it two, three hunts in man. Absolutely in love with it want it on every hunt where I'm sitting in water. 
But I left it in the marsh, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, we can. No, I left it. I didn't realize it until about a week ago. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure I left it in the marsh. Yeah. So I may be giving HTR, my HTR um, contact, a call here real soon. Because now that uh, now that I've been getting into using it, it's like once you start using it when you're sitting in water, you don't want to hunt without it. It's it's that beneficial. Um, to lay in your gun on and your bags and, and it's got a little strap to strap your birds to it. It's a fantastic product, but yeah, three hunts is what I got out of that. Man, just wait till we get off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also I'd like to give a big thanks out to uh, Gunners, Gunner Kennels, American Made Dog Box, Double Wall Rotom Molded, um, Five Star Crash Test Rated. Uh, again, guys, doing the, the Chase in the Opener Tour and Hitting all those trips, it's just peace of mind knowing that my dog's in the best dog crate possible. If anything were to happen, uh, I know he's going to be safe back there uh, in you know a dog box that dog box that is pretty much indestructible. Um, we've seen the testimonials: dogs in car accidents, and um, they come out of it unbelievably unscathed from um, these accidents that just look terrible. Um, so definitely, guys. Make sure to check out Gunner Kennels. It's a once, once in a lifetime purchase on these. They're indestructible. The tank of dog crates. Uh, so check those guys out. Use code DuckGun Space Ten for ten percent off at checkout. Another thing I need to confess is my new addiction that I have. That it's <laughs> going to cost me a lot of money. So for a long time, um, you know, I just. I bought a lot of waterfowl hunting clothes like at Goodwill and 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 um, garage sales, and I was just piecing it together. And then I started wearing banded waders, some banded shirts, some banded jackets, and and all of a sudden now it's like I'll be laying there. Next thing I'll be looking at my phone and I'll be looking at banded I'm like, oh, I want this. And I want that. In fact, in the mail shipping today, I've got three things on the way to me. I got some socks. I've got a little plate to go on the front of my truck. I've got <laughs> um, a dog parka. It's like I'm like, <laughs> geez, I can't stop. So, Cubanda.com, it they've got the coolest stuff. They're they're you really can tell when you're wearing it too because it's like quality and the rain stuff I've got. It's just you're warmer, you're you feel better, you think you look better. I mean. Banded Avery GHG decoys, everything possibly you want. If you if you want something, check out Banded.com. You can reach all three of those different companies to hook yourself up with some good stuff. All right. Also, would like to give a big thanks out to Finisher guys. Dispatching birds has never been easier with the Finisher t- tool. Um, no more wringing the neck, especially as you know a new person. It might be hard to figure some of that kind of stuff out. Um, I know that I've heard the horror stories of headless ducks and and ducks that kept getting dropped or kept, uh, uh, you know, or people trying all different types of meth- methods to finish the bird. Um, but it's so much easier and so much more respectful to our game uh, and our prey when we're using the finisher tool to dispatch the bird. Just a quick, quick slip of the finisher in the back of their head, and um, you can finish the bird right there. Um, like I said at the beginning, guys, uh, dispatching your birds is never easier and he just came out with here recently um his first american made uh model of the finish tool which is super cool uh, multiple different patents on it from uh a, it works also as a choke tube um wrench is that what you'd call it a wrench yep yeah <laughs> we'll, mm-hmm. 
pulls out the choke tube, um, you know, a bottle opener and a few other things. So uh, definitely cool little item there as well uh, added on to the finisher. Guys, check those those out at adrenal-line.com or just Google it if it's easier to find it that way. Um, and you can check out all the different models, colors, and selection they have of the finisher over there and use code DUCKGUN15, um, no spaces, for 15% off your order at finisher. Alrighty, let's go ahead and jump on into the main topic of the podcast. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and taking. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host alongside me, Elliot, the hey ductator himself. I'm Jordan Fromer. And our guest for tonight is Titus from Mid Valley Mercenary. Um, how you guys doing tonight? Doing good. Doing great. Awesome. Elliot, how you doing? <laughs> Yeah, man, I can't wait to hear about Titus's trip in California because I know, um, as you guys know, Titus is a member of the Flyaways Collective with Jordan and myself and, and some others. And, and one of the coolest thing about the Flyaways Collective, I think, is just the communication that goes on behind the scenes with texting or the Marco Polo app. And, and so Titus has been talking a lot about this, the promised land that he found out there. And so I'm really excited to hear about it. And, uh, and, and I, Jordan, I think you need to make a, a video that's like your quest for the pintail where you go out <laughs> there and the whole video is about Titus getting you a pintail. But anyway, I can't wait to hear about this stuff. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. Um, and I guess, you know, before we kind of just jump right into it, uh, kind of explain to you guys what we have in mind for tonight for the podcast episode. Um, you know, all three of us, been doing a lot of public land hunting um you know for me it's more of a uh you know a newfound love with some some crazy awesome michigan hunts i've been doing um you know elliot elliot's that's really your bread and butter and then titus you know i just thought it was really interesting cool like elliot was saying the communication we have behind the scenes you talking about um your public land adventure you went on this weekend and, and two i just saw your video drop so check that out guys mid valley mercenaries um, he dropped day one of that hunt as well. So definitely a uh, beautiful place out there. So, yeah, I guess, you know, that's probably a good place to start with with this video. Um, Tyus, you want to tell us a little bit about that, uh, your weekend there? Yeah, it, it went uh, a lot better than anticipated. You know, anytime I've went somewhere uh, that I haven't been before, you know, you try to do as much research as you can and snooping around the Internet and YouTube Google, you're looking up at the Fish and Game website to get any information to make sure you're abiding by all the rules. Obviously, you, so you get all those rules covered first and the bases covered there. You know, if there's a limit on shells you can take on, you know, what's the hunt hours. Some of the places where I've been, they limit you to 1 p.m. So I was just trying to make sure that I was legit in all the rules first. And then what I did that actually, another thing that helped me was I called a um, an area manager and, and right off the bat, he was just so friendly and because um, I had found uh, several refuges that I wanted to try in this different zone, Northern California. 
And uh, I couldn't believe, you know, I'm not saying that other people aren't friendly and stuff, but he was just over the top, like really willing to help. Not necessarily give spots or anything, because I don't, I don't ask for that. You know, it was just like, hey, is there birds there? You know, um, is there any rules I need to know about? You know, what do you have in the area right now? What kind of birds? You know, is it pantail or widgeon? Is it teal? Whatever. You know, is it mallard? And he just, we sat on the phone for about 45 minutes, you know, and he worked. He's just the area manager for that refuge. And he helped me in so many different ways and kind of encouraged me to come try it out. You know, and it was a super long drive. It was an all-day thing. But I, I just basically did my homework and did my research for three or four days beforehand. And you know, that's kind of what I said in the video at the end of the first one is like, you know what? I, as I'm sure it happens to you guys, and I don't want to downplay people asking for help because I try to help people. But on the same note, a lot of people don't want to put in the work or time on personal study. And honestly, I don't really want to take, why should I take my time to help these people out if they haven't put their own time in? If they put time in and they still need help, I'll help them. But uh, you can't just sit on the couch and then just, you know, write notes to people and say, hey, tell me some <laughs> spots. You know, you got to do the work. So, and then you end up getting hooked up with people like the guy that I talked to, which just is like a cherry on top of whatever work you've done yourself. And then, you know, you can have good hunts and you can be successful. Not every time, but I mean, we didn't go out there and shoot limits the first day, as you've seen the video, but we went in there, me and Nathaniel, young kid, he's 15 years old. Uh, he went with me. I like taking these young guys out because they get so excited too, like I do. But um, we said, you know what? If we go up there and shoot one bird, I asked him, I go, would you be happy if we, you shot one duck on this trip? And he goes, I'd just be happy if I just sat in the marsh. He has a really good attitude about it, you know. And I said, you know what? I feel the same way. I go up there with me and Rocky, get him out there to get in the water, get set up just the whole, you know, the whole setting. And I knew it was a mountainous-looking area, too, so it was beautiful scenery. And you know what? It turned out better than we expected, so it just, was that much better, you know? Awesome. Now, Titus, with this area, now I know that, um, I mean, before going up there, you were so excited about this place after talking to that manager. Is this an area that you had never, ever heard of? Or is this like like an area where you had kind of heard whispers about and the name had been in your mind? Or what was that process between, hey, I'm going to try go and try this new area that's so far away? Well, I knew that this zone was open earlier been our zone by like two or three weeks and so i just looked in those counties and i was just actually on google maps and i was just zooming in looking for wildlife refuges and that's how it, actually how i stumbled upon it no one had ever told me about it before i i've heard the name but i didn't know about it and it's really not just this place that i hunted i mean there's multiple other spots there that do really good but the thing i, th I guess sometimes i think having a youtube channel pushes me a little bit more because i am searching i do love the duck hunt but i am searching for content and it kind of gives me a good excuse <laughs> to make these kind of trips to get out a little bit more you know so i think just a combination of all those things and i'm a big mountainous guy like i love the mountains uh, we have them all around us here and we go camping a lot and stuff like that so to know that I could duck hunt while I'm looking at, you know, just great mountain ranges. I was like, oh, you can't beat that, you know? Oh, yeah. So here's a here's a, a couple questions. So 
one, uh, we need to talk about that. That one of the first shots you had in that video, man. It was, it was unbelievably beautiful. And then the wildlife you had, um, where you had those mule deer that walked through the marsh, and they busted up some ducks. Like how? Like how did you did you plan that, or was that like? <laughs> <laughs> that was the luckiest. Okay, this is what's fine. So I'm, I got the camera. I'm like, oh, look at the deer. You know, whatever. And I don't know, this area, some of this area reminds me of Kansas so much, just like the way they manage it and how they, I don't know, it just, I feel like I'm not in California. And so we pull up and we're seeing so much game. We're seeing tons of pheasant. We're seeing everything you can think of. And this wasn't even at the same place that we hunted that day. This was another refuge uh, that you could hunt. And we're just scouting and stuff and... Oh, look at, you know, there's a couple does and a couple fawns, whatever. So I get my camera out and I'm putting on 120 frames per second. I zoom in. I'm like, this is all, this is great. And I'm sitting there as I'm videoing those mallards flush up. And I go, I, I held still. I, I held my breath. I wasn't breathing. I was holding still like that. <laughs> and I go, after they all flushed up, I put the camera down and looked at Nathaniel and I go, I think I just got the best footage I've ever got today. I was so <laughs> pumped about that piece. Like, that piece, like, almost made me emotional. I was like, dude, that is the baddest thing I think I've ever seen. That was, Mallard is my first love, and then just the deer flushed him up. was so crazy. That was. I don't think I've ever seen that before, and that was just so – that was such a cool shot when I saw that, man. I, I just couldn't – like, I'm looking at the deers. I'm like, oh, man, that's a cool shot. You got the deer walking through the marsh. And then, like, the first ducks bust out of the marsh – in slow-mo, and you can't even see them until they bust out of there. And three right. bust out of there. I'm like, man, that shot can't get any better. And then, like, more start busting up. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> so, oh, I, I, oh, man, so I, I feel stoked. I feel embarrassed for myself. You know what I was thinking when I watched that part? I was just thinking, man, that's some short stuff. How, how could I hide in that? How, how could I set up decoys right there? I mean, I, I was watching on my phone at work, so it was like a small screen. And I just I just watched that beginning yeah. part, but and I I did think, oh, that's deer, that's cool. But my mind was fixated on how I was gonna go at that spot. <laughs> oh, trust me, I was thinking that later. Trust me. <laughs> Let me ask you guys a real quick, real quick, while we're on this topic, this is a great place to ask this question. I'm curious about it. So, you saw that event through the lens of your camera, right, Titus? Mm-hmm. Do you ever yeah. one thing about filming that? I think is a huge sacrifice is all the amazing things that we see. We see it through a lens and it, it, mm-hmm. it's awesome to have it on video later, but the moment of it, you're not seeing it and experiencing it. It, it almost takes away the spiritual feel essence of yeah. the wilderness having to do that. Have either of you ever thought about that or, or what are your thoughts on that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. My dad says that all the time. He's always like, I don't know how that you make the sacrifice to not enjoy that moment in its serenity and video instead. And I said, you know, sometimes it does bother me, but I don't know, like, okay, you will have that memory in your mind for the rest of your life, but you cannot share it or really watch it on a screen. You can watch it in your mental picture, right? But yeah, I, I feel like times like that, like I was looking through the viewfinder for the whole thing. And I, I don't, I don't have no remorse for that. Like, I'm just yeah. so glad that I captured that. Cause I'll probably watch that a hundred times over the next 20 years, you know? 
Yeah, yep. it's, it's so true, but it is certainly a trade off. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a trade off, and it's and a sacrifice. It's like yeah. you get benefit from it, but it's certainly a sacrifice at the same time. Yeah, I think Titus kind of hit the yeah. nail on the on the head with that kind of talking about it. And it's definitely like I said, it's a sacrifice. Uh, but I think when it comes down to, I mean, as storytellers and creators. Um, something we've all set out to do is to share our stories and share experiences, especially with people who don't get the opportunity to go out there. And maybe even some people who are interested in going out there and, and giving duck hunting a try or just even going out in the outdoors more. Um, and I think that that, you know, that right there is all worth um, the sacrifice and, and, and kind of, to, you know, to put a, a bow on it. You know, it's uh, my goal with all of it is um, at the end of the day is, is to is to do duck hunting justice because of how much yeah. I love it and how much passion I have for it. I want to share it with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well Agreed. Said. All right. Um, so kind of, kind of continuing on with that. So, so with where you're hunting there, Titus, um, are you able to do free roam there or is it draw or, or, you know, what's the, the situation or is that, you know, I don't know if that's going to give it's, too much away or <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no, it's free roam. Yeah, it's okay. it, it's really nice, and that's kind of why I liked it is because it seemed like all up in those north zones, they're all the same way. You pretty much go in, fill out a card, put it in the Dropbox, go out there, and then you can when you return, you fill out what you harvested. Okay, and cool. then you drop that back. And so there's no people you're dealing with or nothing. And I mean, there's no lines, there's no nothing. You just, just that's what I said. It. Is for me, you know, Josh was giving me a hard time, which it was hilarious. I thought it was hilarious, but I was busy at the time. I didn't have a chance to respond, but it was like, yeah, seven days a week. I mean, not specifically here, but just a lot of that up there, you can hunt any day of the week. And it was just really cool. Like I just, the whole vibe of everything was super relaxed. There wasn't a lot of pressure, a lot of people, you know? So it was really nice. Yeah. So, so here's like, you know, kind of the, the, the topic we're going to be going for, you know, the, um, the like the grind of public land and all that that goes into it and i mean there's just a ton um but i guess kind of a question so i know that you have a lot of draws where you locally hunt indiana their public land managed areas are draw um like the biggest public land areas in indiana that are managed our draw system and I'm super not a fan of it i mean but there's certain places that i'll i'll do it and certain times i'll do it and go for it um, but you know, doing the free roam opposed to that, all that kind of stuff, I almost feel like it's, um, there's more of a, uh, um, fulfillment I get from that free roam style opposed to draw you guys. How do you guys feel about that? Do you want to, are you asking me or Elliot? Um, go ahead, Titus. Okay. Um, well, I don't know, because that's hard for me to say, because I feel like it, it might be a little different for us. Because if I get a draw, um, it's still not a guaranteed thing. You know, you still got to yep. deal with setting up and picking the right spot when you do get drawn. Because, like, when you get drawn, it's not for a specific blind. Okay. So you still got to know when you get there, depending on what order you're in, where you want. And if you're draw number 7, 8, 9, 10, 20, you don't know what all these other guys are going to take there before you. So you got to kind of have a layout, you know, uh-huh. what you want and what you think people will take. So 
So, I mean, to me, that's still really still kind of a challenge in a different way. Cause it's not, it's not like I feel like our free roam is harder to hunt than it is if you get a lottery draw. If that makes sense. Can, Titus, can you spend a little bit of time? Cause I know I've got a little bit of access to these type of places in Missouri, so I can speak to it a little bit. But in California, what are the different setups as far as like you said, a lottery and you said a draw? From your experience, what are the different options that different places have for how they allow people to hunt their refuges? As far as um, draws and lotteries you're, you're speaking yeah, of? Yeah, like is there a difference between a draw and a lottery? Or yeah, is that so the same thing? It actually is. So in California, I actually did an episode of that on our podcast because people ask that all the time. People traveling out of state coming here if they want to know, which it could look very intimidating. But so, like, what happens is before the hunt day, you go in and 15 days minimum in advance of that specific hunt day at the specific refuge you pick. Mind you, you can put in for every refuge in California on that day to up your odds, but you are paying like a dollar thirty-five per entry. You go in there and put in for that. That is a draw. So a, a reservation. So if you draw a reservation for that day and you put in for it uh, 15 days in advance, they'll notify you through the mail and you can go online and check. And they'll say, yeah, you got number six or number seven for this refuge on this date that you put in for. And when, when do they draw? Lottery, when do they draw? How, how far out from the hunt do they draw? They do it. Um, it's, uh, my mind just went blank, two weeks. So it's usually okay. the 14 days, 14 to 15 days beforehand. That's why you got and, that window that you've got to get it in in for. And if you get picked, what what's the next step? Do they, are you, are, do you have open, you, open you space? You have with- You'll get a paper in the mail with your name on it and what number you actually drew for that refuge, that specific refuge. You go there the day of and you just line up. So, like, say there's 50 dudes there, and you got number seven. And if the guys don't show up, so, like, say if one, two, and three show up, but four, five, and six don't, I'm actually now the fourth guy in, right? So it just goes in progression of your sequence of numbers that you drew, and then you go on like that. And you get to pick, like, what do you mean you you go in, though? Like, do you you say, okay, you you get to pick where you're going first, or that you just... yeah. I'm not understanding. Yeah, and exactly. you can pick free. You can pick free roam. So, like, if you have a refuge, a lot of our refuges have free roam, and they have uh, assigned blinds or assigned ponds. Mm-hmm. Like, if you get an assigned pond, you get that whole pond yourself. No one else can come in there. If you okay. get an assigned blind, you know you got that blind in that area to yourself, and you can't hunt outside of that blind. Um, which I'm not always a big fan of blinds because you kind of get stuck. Obviously, one spot the birds are working, but anyways, you would go in and, and so, say, "Okay, I'm going to take blind num- blind number seven, and that's yours now. You don't have to race there. You don't have to rush out there. Nothing. Okay, it's yours for the day." So there's multiple options, and it's like if you're number one, oh, yeah. you could say, "Oh, I want to go in the free room era or area, or I want blind number three, or I want this pond." It's just yep. you have a selection of choices, and as those choices fill yep. up. Then the farther back you are, you just get, oh, I can't have that one. Oh, I'm stuck now. I've got to take this one because that's all that's left, basically. Yep, exactly. Okay. Yep. And what time What time and do you then, get there in the morning to do that? 
Um, they usually do it um, an hour and a half to two and a half hours before shoot time. Okay. okay. Yeah. But depending on each refuge, they all they have their own specific rules. So kind of to kind of to go on to, I mean, with your experience going up, and I know you've done other free roam hunts as well. Um, is it is it just that draws are better, or do you have a, like a preference to free roaming or draws, or I guess what are your thoughts on that? Well, he needs to tell about the lottery and what the lottery is too. At some okay, point. okay. Well, the lottery is easy. So the lottery is you show up the night before the hunt, and you put in on the certain window the night before the hunt day. Between, like, let's just say 6 and 9 p.m., you'll show up, you'll put your name in, and it your group. Like, say if there's me, Thomas, and Travis, we'll go in there, they'll, we'll give them our hunting license number, they'll write it down and say, you're in a hunting group together. And then they put you in and they hand you a card or a little tag and says, okay, you guys are lottery number 65, which means there's 64 other groups before us, right? Just whatever number you get then that number is your reference to when the draw ha- the lottery happens. After that shut up, cutoff time, you know, they got to have a cutoff where people can't put in anymore. And about 10 minutes after that cutoff time, that night before the hunt, so let's say if it was the lottery was 6 to 9, at 9, 10, they draw the names, and then they say Titus's group drew number one. So that means we're the first, first group in after the reservation guys yeah okay does that make sense yeah that's actually here, here, Indiana here's does. the crazy part though here's the crazy part and you can still do good as a as a reservation holder a low reservation holder but here's the crazy part after that then the sweat liners <laughs> go in so there is a gang of people stacking up to get in there if you're in the sweat line group, you might be out of luck and not be able to get in. That's how many people are packing in there. Mm. Oh, yeah. And the sweat liners just show up the morning of the hunt. They just show up a couple hours early, wait for all the reservation guys to go in, then they wait for all the lottery guys to go in, and then the sweat liners get to go in. Man, I would not like those experiences. I would not like that. <laughs> Yeah, that's oh, actually uh, that's actually the same way Indiana does it. But we only have like seven properties, maybe in Indiana that that have draws like that. And at the beginning of the year, we get to put in five reservation picks, and pretty much most of the time, you just don't get a reservation. Um, yeah. And those are, I think, they're the first two to three picks on you know a few days a week that have the reservations. And then everything after that is the lottery, like you said, where you just show up. And that's the only way I've ever done it is I just show up. And uh, um, when we get either you get drawn or you don't. or well, you, Everybody gets drawn um, a certain number. But you could be at the end of the list, like you said, and, um, and you might not even get a spot. There might be so many people there. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, similar on that. But I definitely – my preference is definitely to have a free roam situation opposed to mm-hmm. that draw system. So are you kind of in the same boat with that or? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I just don't like, I just don't like dealing with that. I, there's times that I've got really good reservations and it's awesome. Yeah. Like you, you jump all over that, but yeah. if not, 
No, it's not worth dealing with all oh, that yeah. hassle. It's a it's a pain pain and almost scary to like drive, um, you know, drive two hours to a draw that you might get forty fourth pick, and uh, <laughs> we've had it happen. Yeah, and yeah. that's why we just we rarely do that. We have to, the only reason we do that is that we are really, really, really desperate to hunt. <laughs> yeah, and we didn't have any other options. You know what I mean? Uh huh. How yeah. bummed does it ruin your entire day when you don't even get in at all? Is like your emotionally day just shot where you're just upset and pissed all day? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's, and then it kind of makes you mad at the whole system. It's like, especially, it makes it worse. Now that I've been traveling a lot out of state, it really makes it worse because we'll go home frustrated and mad, which, really didn't happen all last year because we did travel so we didn't get those frustrations at hardly at all but you'll go home and you're you're driving home just wasted a bunch of time got up early can't do a cut which is something you know you only have a limited amount of time in the year to do and you're like why do i live here you know like why and, and i'm not complaining because i mean you know we'll receive some flack like oh you can you can go to the Delta or you can go to the river system if you have a boat. It's like, yeah, I get that. I mean, and those are things we're trying to expand on, but it's just, you just get frustrated because I just know how it is in other places now and I've tasted it and it's, it's really, really nice. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot better. Yeah. Just better. Uh-huh. Yeah. When, when they have so many before, when you were asking me what states I'd live in, I'm not, saying it for no reason because i never once anticipated saying kansas and i but it's like you know the cost of living in idaho has went up quite a bit and it's a lot more similar to california now because of the crazy californians moving up there trying to get out of here but like now kansas is something i have thought a lot about now as a potential place if i ever move out of california you know to go to so how, how serious are you about actually moving? Well, we're really serious because, I mean, some of the things that they're talking about passing here in California, I mean, it's already bad enough as it is, but we can still tolerate it. But, I mean, to the point we look at real estate, like, constantly. And, mm-hmm. I mean, percentage-wise, part of me wants to say 100%. <laughs> and the other part with the family, the friends and the church and the lifetime of memories, that's, I would say that's the only thing that's like hindering a big part of it, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. It really puts a little bit of a, yeah. But, oh, man, I certainly would be excited if you guys moved to Kansas. I can <laughs> tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that I've heard from so many people and people I know, as soon as they move out about three months in, they're like, why didn't we do this sooner? You know, I've heard yeah. a lot of people say that. Yeah. 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 So, well, I, Jordan, can I ask him another question about California? Duck I know I don't want to derail the whole topic, but I'm so curious another, about this. Uh, yeah, I do have a quick question before that. All right, though. All right go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so why, if everybody's going from California to Idaho and places like that, if they're leaving to leave the crazy behind, why do they bring some of the crazy with them? I don't know. You know, that's, that's, what's, that's what's frustrating is, is like they leave the place that they supposedly hate, but then vote for things that they were trying to get away from, you know? Yeah. Don't make any sense. Huh. 
I'm not saying everybody does that, but you know, it seems like that either that or it's the people that live in those states are just bitter because the California people are coming there, which, you know, if, if, if they're good people, then I don't see what the problem is. If they're people that are causing problems, then I can totally understand that. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, Elliot. Okay. So we, we've talked about, um, California duck hunting and, the difficulty of getting ducks on a consistent basis to commit and come into the decoys. And so you guys are a lot of times um, just kind of relegated to taking more pass shooting and, and having to become Mm -hmm. better at hitting those farther shots. What I don't understand is, is they, they seem to really regulate these refuges and they, and you can't even hunt them every day. Right. Right. So why, why is it, I've got, I'll try to answer the question and tell me if I'm wrong, right, right or wrong. So with you guys' difficulty, first of all, am I right? There is a lot more of a difficulty of getting birds to commit there than like somewhere like Kansas? Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. So my question is why? And, and, and the only thing I can come up with is I can't even think of what my theory was. I, I can tell <laughs> I, I you blanked why. on my I theory. Tell, tell me exactly why. why. <laughs> because the, we're too tight. In, in the refuge, we're too tight. It's too, hold on, got my alarm going off here. We're too tight. So and it's it, it's hard. It feels like it's easy to explain to people, but I don't feel, feel like people really grasp it. So like, okay, you know when we, me, you, and Jordan were hunting last year with the Flyways Collective, and that guy comes in after sunrise, kind of messes it up, us up, which I feel like he did. But yeah. it is public land, whatever. But he was, how far do you think he was away from us? Well, when, when, by the time he, he set up, he was like, yeah, like, 80. I'm guessing, uh, I get, I bet, I think he was probably 125, 150 at the absolute that's, most. That's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. So now imagine that on all four sides of you. And that yeah. is like that for a 2,600 acre place. It's like that across the whole refuge. Got how it. do you think that's gonna? How do you think that's gonna work? Yeah, it it's opening day it every hunt. That's, that's the answer. <laughs> and it's every day. It's not just opening day. It's like that every single hunt day. And so you have to take what comes by you. <laughs> yeah. Because as soon as he goes by the next guy, and people are, and people say this, and they only say it because they have no idea what they're talking about. Is, oh. Well, you know, you guys still have the etiquette, even if other people don't. It's like, I really don't, I don't think of it as an etiquette issue. It's, that is the way that hunting is. Ask anybody that hunts California refuges, they're going to say the same thing. And guys that don't and say, oh, we we decom, they're liars. Like, literally liars. Because I can tell you right now, I can go to Kansas, Washington, even Northern California, and they're decoying because why? There's no pressure. There's not dudes completely surrounding you. Mm Mm-hmm. That makes sense. What, what, it, right? Like I'll pass yeah. shoot them. I'll do it. I'd rather have them decoy. But hey, it is what it is. I'll do it. I'm not trying to complain, and I'm not whining at all. But it, that's that is why, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My the, what my theory was that maybe you guys were at the end of the migration point. Like in Arkansas, one thing I learned about Arkansas is that once the ducks get there, they stay. 
In Kansas, that's not how it is. If you get stale ducks, man, you got to get them the hell out of there because stale ducks are really, really difficult to kill. So in these southern states, when they always talk about, man, these are late season ducks. They're so educated. They've been coming all day through the flyway. That's not it. They're wrong. The reason is they get there and they stay. They get there and they stay. The easiest ducks to kill are the fresh ducks, the first, you know, five, six days oh, they're yeah. there. And so in the South, they're just dealing with stale ducks all the time for the most part. Once it gets to a certain point, I think is the reason. So that was kind of what I was thinking maybe it happened. But that makes perfect sense no, it, no, what true, you say. Though, Elliot, like if you say that, let me let me say this. Uh, we get stale ducks too. We get fresh ducks and then we get the stale ducks. And it happens really, really quick though. So we'll, let's say if, we're going to hunt on a Wednesday at a refuge that's only Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. And a north wind blows in hard. And we all know that that pushes ducks in. At least for in California, 100%, there's going to be fresh ducks in with a strong, strong north wind. So you're like, good, okay, this is going to be great. And sure enough, it turns out awesome because there's a bunch of birds that they have, may have been shot at before. They may have been decoyed and blah, blah, blah. But they have not been to this area yet. They don't know where the danger is and these birds uh, a lot of them will decoy I, i'm not saying i've never had birds decoy in our refuges but that's when you catch those fresh birds and then i'll tell you what come saturday if it's still the same birds and there ain't no new fresh ones between wednesday and saturday good luck you know it's yeah. it's gonna be tougher yeah and on those it's like thinking of it like opening day every day um around here on an opening day you get Everyone's screaming at them. People taking shots mm-hmm. that you know are outside their range. So if the ducks are flying, by the time they've even got to you to look at their spread, they've seen people. They've had they've had this unrealistic just screaming calls. They've been shot at from seventy mm-hmm. yards. So they're so skittish by the time they get to you that they're not even really willing to work. They're already in that kind of like right. oh my gosh, what's going on mode. And so yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you you yeah you'll get those birds that'll work, and you just you treasure every second of it because <laughs> a lot of times it will be on a on an afternoon. Because I know you don't really care for afternoon hunts too much, Elliot. You yeah. said it in the videos. I don't know how you feel, Jordan, but a lot of times we can sneak out in the afternoons because almost all the duck hunters have left, and the birds know that. You guys know those start yep. mallards will start showing up eleven to twelve o'clock, mm-hmm. and then. For guys like us that are trying to get away from the pressure, most all the other guys are gone, and now it's like what it should be, where you yeah. can actually work birds, you know. Yep. Yeah, those yeah. ducks learn fast. There's a place around here that closes at one, and I've never been there, but I've been okay. told one o'clock, man, there'll be nothing there. One o'clock comes, and the ducks are everywhere. Those birds, they they learn, <laughs> they learn to the minute. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I'll definitely this say wasn't on, uh, to, This wasn't supposed to all be on uh, California hunting. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just had a lot of questions on it, so, but... Uh, yeah. It's it's all right. We kind of shoot from the hip on a lot of our episodes. Um, but kind of kind of to reiterate what you're saying about evening hunts, actually, I've, I've actually uh, been more and more fond of evening hunts, especially, um, you know, not locally, but I've done more... <laughs> in the past couple years of all day hunts, um, which I'm, you know, if you're set up for it and you got the time for it, those can be a lot of fun too. Um, but the evening hunts, like you're saying, um, not necessarily around here locally. Um, but in some of those places that have a lot of birds, I think that there's definitely, 
Um, something to be said about evening hunts there it can be way more productive than I ever thought. Um, you know, we don't have the duck numbers here to kind of support that mm-hmm. for the most part. But if you go somewhere, a big public land marsh, um, then I'm all for evening hunts. And I'm not against mm-hmm. evening hunts. I mean, my, my thing with evening hunts is if I'm working the next day and as the oh, sun's yeah. coming down, I for some reason, a feeling of depression and gloom comes over me that I hate. <laughs> but if it's like if I'm on a hunt trip, like a three, four day hunt trip, and I know it's like we're going back to camp and we're going to be hanging around and then then evening evening hunts are fine. It's like that work the yeah. next day, sun's going down. And and actually around here, there's yeah. there's a there's a marsh that. It's well, if you can find a marsh where birds night feed, and they only do that if you have a lot of hunt heavy pressure. If you can get them on the on a cold, gray, really gray, rainy evening, those birds will come in thinking it's past shooting time, and you can have the hunt of your life. But it's it's more yeah. of just a negative emotional feel for me. Well, we've talked about it. I'll, I'll still raise my hand and say if I had to pick. I prefer a morning hunt because it's nice, like with family and stuff. So you get up way before they're ever up. You go hunt. If you're successful, you can come home, go eat breakfast with the guys and still be home early and have the whole rest of the day. So it is like on that aspect, I definitely like morning hunts, especially if we can get out and do it. But we, you know, but if you can't, sometimes I can't even, because of work or whatever, I can't hunt till the afternoon and at least you still get the duck hunt, you know? Yep. yep. You know what it comes down to? Elliot's just a little spoiled with uh, he's spoiled with his his Kansas morning hunts. Gets to go out there, have all the birds. <laughs> well, it's is it, the thing is I some people some duck hunters. Well, not many duck hunters. There are people that try to duck hunt that cannot handle the early mornings, and they just oh, right. my son my son's like that. They hate it. I love it. I love getting up at two o'clock being like that witching hour getting out there being out there early something about that traveling around in the dark seeing the stars it just really really excites me and so i I like that aspect of it yeah all right well um i know titus you're in a time constraint so we probably should wrap this up um (laughs) i think we officially kind of derailed the whole topic uh, of just having a wide spectrum of public land, which is fine. Like, I think we had a great conversation, learned a lot about um, California duck hunting. Um, but I will kind of say this to kind of, you know, wrap everything up. Um, but it's, it's just amazing that we uh, we get to live in a country um, where we have just a, a, a wide variety. You know, I'm going up and enjoying uh, tons of public land opportunities up in Michigan um elliot in the central part of the state tons of public land opportunities in kansas and you're all the way over there on the commie west coast and you still have some awesome opportunities going up um and hunting public land in california so i I mean it's just super cool to see that super grateful to live in a place where we can all have those opportunities different terrain different aspects different uh um, thing, but we're all doing the same thing, duck hunting, getting after it, and, and going for it. Yep. We're blessed. Definitely. All right. Anybody got any closing words before I go ahead and sign off? I just appreciate Titus coming on here and, and talk. It's it's just so interesting hearing you talk about what it's like out there and and the opportunities. I appreciate you coming on at such short notice and kind of giving us some information that I certainly didn't have. 
Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys asking me on. I I feel kind of bad because I feel like we always, when we get together on here, talk about California, and I don't. <laughs> I hope I don't come across on this episode as being complaining because I, I I literally was ecstatic to find this place. I felt so happy and stoked, and you guys see me on the Marco Polo how excited I was and and how beautiful it was. So, you know what? There's. I'm just glad and thankful that I can get out and hunt and enjoy the time. I We've been looking forward to this, obviously, since the last day of last season. So to get out and hunt, I'm super stoked, and I'm glad that I can just have the health to hunt and be out there no matter where I'm at, honestly. Heck, yeah. Alrighty. Well, I guess I want to reiterate what Elliot said. Appreciate you coming on, Titus. Um, guys, make sure. Go check out Titus' video um it was an awesome video he put together there of him hunting there public land in california um but that's all we got for tonight guys i am jordan duck gun chronicles elliot freelance duck hunting titus mid-valley mercenary and we'll see you guys on the next one